Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to us today. I'm Nuala Kate Galligan, um, RGM controller for the island of Ireland. You are very welcome to the Commercial Excellent podcast series called Fueling Our Growth. We've designed this podcast to share with you the progress of the Commercial Excellence Priority, and we hope you learn something new by listening to us today. Ideally, we would like you to experience this podcast away from your normal working environment. So please take us for a run or go for a walk and get into the growth mindset to learn something new. So I'd just like to welcome uh, my two guest speakers here today and thank them very much. Um, so thank you to Jason and Richard that are joining me today. I've told the lads that I'll bring them for a coffee for taking part uh, in this podcast today, but I might have to stretch to a little bit more um, when restrictions lift. Um, so I suppose just to kick off, guys, um, if I can ask you to both, I suppose, introduce yourself to our listeners today. Uh, hey, Richard, hope you're both keeping well. Um, so yeah, hello to everybody listening in. My name is Jason Ford and I'm the head of sales for our grocery uh, channel here in the island of Ireland and our beam alcohol business. Great to be joining you today, Nilla Kidd. Thanks, Jason. Uh, hello, Nilla Kidd. I'm Jason. Uh, this is Richard here, Richard Barrett. Um, I am the trading controller for the Impulse Channel uh, Island of Ireland, um, looking after sort of the, the larger convenience accounts, um, both north and south, and um, all of the wholesale channels. So RGM is close to my heart um, because it's, uh, it's, an, it's an integral part of our business. So it's, um, it's great to be invited along here to participate in this. So thank you very much. Great, guys. Um, well, look, look, kicking off, I suppose, the objective of this um, first podcast, um, I'll call it series one, episode one, episode one, because, you know, we could be back for a few more in the future. You never know. But I suppose um, we're taking RGM at a very top line overview today. Um, and our overall vision for RGM is fueling sustainable growth. Um, and with that in mind, we always have the triple win at heart. So our consumer, our shopper, and of course, um, LRS. So I suppose um, both of you in your role um, would obviously be very close to, you know, the consumer, the shopper and, and the customer side of things. Um, and, it, and I know that um, RGM, Richard, you said it plays an integral part um, in, in, your, in your role. Um, we've done some initiative recently, RGM, across, I suppose, the pricing lever. Um, obviously, we had a CPI um, and some um, P&P pack changes. Richard, can you, can you talk us through that, I suppose, um, over the last kind of 18 months to two years, both from an ROI and an NI perspective? I suppose from a, from a CPI point of view, um, we obviously had our, our first CPI in a, in a number of years coming in from, from GSK. Um, and that was around about 12%, which was um, a very large hit within the, the Northern Irish market. Um, although the CPI was, was around a 12% increase, we, we took a loss in sales of about 20%. So the Northern Irish market tends to be very um, price sensitive um, so although uh, um, CPIs are very important, RGM plays, um, it, is, it is extremely important to understand the market that they're landing in. Um, the next CPI we had recently there, um, about, what was that now? It's, 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 almost, it's almost a year ago now, last, last January. Um, 
again, that was about a 9% increase from a, a Northern Ireland point of view. And again, we take a loss in sales and that. So that just emphasizes the, the market dynamics that were in play. From a Southern Ireland point of view, um, the headline CPI we had uh, last year, it, it, it landed pretty well. Um, there wasn't that much of, a, of an impact from a, from a sales point of view. Um, so from, a, from an RGM play, that was a, that was a very good move. Um, so there was big, big pack changes we, we did um, on, the, on the island. And we moved our four-pack um, four energy and four-pack sport from three euro to four euro. Um, and we moved our yeah. 500 mil from uh, 180 euro to two euro there very recently. And they were outside of, I suppose, headline CPI timing. So these were additional requests you were bringing to the customer outside of, um, I suppose, the the two CPIs that you mentioned in the north and the one that you went went with last year. Well, what was the customer's response um, coming coming to uh, them? Primarily, it, it's 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 a lot easier to put through um, an inverted comma CPI on a on a flashed PMP product. Um, because there is the there is the option of of using the standard product if if it is if it is refused or there is any kickback, um, but largely um, the customers and our 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 major accounts were 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 quite glad that we were putting some value back into the market uh, and trying to push some value back through um, through a, a a flashed PMP rise. Um, it was also it was a bit of a triple win really if you think about it because the. The consumer was still getting the value added on on, on the flash product, and um, the customer was getting um, a, a lot more value going into their in, in, into their uh, category. And we, as a business, were getting um, quite a, a, a nice profit play coming off the RGM move. So it was a bit of a triple win. Okay, yeah. great. Uh, and Jason, can if I can move on to you just in relation to one liter move to nine hundred meta? It's a big PPA play for us. Um, and I suppose one of the things within RGM is the ability to be agile. Um, it, it is a buzzword that we would use within the RGM world. And I suppose when we look at PPA projects, um, this one litre to 900 mil, I suppose it's 18 months out. Like it's more of a long term play. Um, and, you know, the, the ability to be agile can be quite limited within that lever of the RGM. Um, how has your customers responded to the to the one meter to nine hundred move piece? Yeah, I suppose from a whenever you go to the trade with um, a cost increase, or you go to the trade with a, a a pack that is reduced in size in size, the customers will always approach it initially from the consumer perspective, and to say, you know, they will tell us that they are the custodians of value for their shoppers. And you will automatically um, fight back against it. I mean, that's just a natural reflex you're going to get. Um, so no surprise when we went with the one litre to 900 mil change. That, that's exactly the response we got. But I suppose one of the one of the pieces around RGM and the PPA, the price park architecture part, and, and it's the same can be said for promotion with depth, promotional frequency, and trade terms. I mean, we, we very much approach this initiative with the customers with the with the consumers at the heart at the heart of it. So we said to the customer, look, you know, particularly my my channel with the grocery guys, you know, they're constantly looking for larger pack formats. Um Lucas Aid is a number four um FMCG brand in Ireland. It's a huge brand, but we don't play hugely in that drink later arena. So 
what we were able to do with the 900 mil um, bottle was say, look, guys, we're going to reduce the one liter to 900 mil. But at the same time, we're going to introduce a 24 pack can variant. And at the same time, we're going to introduce a 1.45 liter variant. So from a consumer perspective and being consumer centric, we were adding packs into our portfolio, which would allow the consumer to access more value for Lucasage. And mm. I suppose it had the win of improving our uh, footprint within the store. And also it, it drove, yeah. it, it was what the customer had been asking us for. So to the triple win that you talked about, Richard, a few minutes ago, I think when we, we have those conversations around the triple win or when we, when we build our strategies around the triple win, it can make it more difficult for our customers to challenge back because, you know, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. And, um, that's that was the great thing about this initiative, or is the great thing about it. We're able to we're able to pull in those levers, you know. So, um, needless to say, they didn't open the doors welcoming for us new Lake. But when they when they listen to us and we listen to them, um, I think we're in a good place for them at the moment. Okay, that's great. And um, Richard, talking to you just on the one liter nine hundred mil piece. Obviously, this pack um, in the Republic of Ireland, it would be fair to say. Um, plays quite a different role versus the North. Um, f- can you talk us through that, I suppose, a little bit more in terms of pricing um, and I suppose where you see one leader, given the fact that you work across both markets? Uh, certainly the, the certainly the 900 mil one leader pack um, as was in, in, in Southern Ireland, it has a, a standard RSP of about 259. Um, pulsing in and out of promotion down to 150 euro um, on three or four times a year. So you can see the sort of the high-low uh, promotional aspect of that pack does work and then does um, give you that sort of peaks and troughs of promotions. Whenever you look at the Northern Ireland slash GB um, equivalent, um, it's, it's on an EDLP one pound sterling uh, all year round. So there, there isn't the, the promotional uplift um, on the pack. Um, and we now, oh, and my big fear now coming into this from a, from a PPA point of view is that we are now almost looking at this pack as a drink now, um, new entrant to the market. So that I've got very, very big fears around that pack ending up in the fridge and then cannibalizing the 500 mil um, packs that we have on, on sale within the convenience market. Um, so just to put it in context, the 500 mil RSP on shelf um, in the fridge will be one one pound eighty, um, and okay. this new EDLP at the 900 mil is going to land at, at one pound all day long. So you can see that from a a consumer point of view, they will be you know up 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 waiting their purchase to the to the 900 mil, but downgrading their 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 revenue expenditure. Um, from a okay. so it's one that we we probably need to track and monitor and, and be all over the epos and and all over the data that we get from the market on in, in the coming weeks and months yeah. and i suppose just moving on quickly in the interest of time guys um we're we're now on the 11th of march um in a COVID world um talk to me slightly a little bit about um year-to-date performance um and I suppose from a year to go perspective um, and, and the angle I'm coming from with this, I suppose, is the mix lever. So um, from our drink now to, to our drink later and um, any kind of plans that are in place that you'd like to share with our listeners today. 
Um, so I'll, I'll go first in that one, Jason. Um, from a, from age, a convenience... age before beauty, Richard, I think is the phrase you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go first then? <laughs> Um, it is a pity our listeners can't see your faces today. All I can say on that one is they 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 have a face for radio, <laughs> as they say it, or for uh, they have a face for podcasts. As, Thank as you for that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back to the RGM. Sorry, back Richard, to RGM. Yeah, back yeah. to back to. <laughs> um, I suppose from from a convenience mix point of view, last year when we when we hit hit the COVID pandemic, um, we had to pivot our business towards the drink later consumer and uh, the consumer was buying a lot more drink later packs they weren't shopping drink now they weren't going into impulse environments and um, so we had to move ourselves into that whole drink later area now we had a very good portfolio already set up and already um already distributed with some strong points um, of distribution around the country so in southern ireland we were able to pivot the, the new four euro pack which was, was already giving us some very good profit. Um, so that wasn't a, 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 major, a major problem. Um, however, we did move from about an 80-20 mix, 80% drink now to 20% drink later, um, to about a 70-30, um, almost 65-35 split towards, towards the, the peak of, the, of the, the, the mix change. In Northern Ireland, it was slightly different. Um, our drink later packs um, were sitting at around a 60-40 split. Um, but whenever the pandemic hit, um, that mix changed. It almost flipped in its head and went 40-60, 40% drink now, 60% drink later. Um, and that was very concerning from a profit mix point of view because that was you know, a, a, large, uh, a large impact to the business. Um, we did see this mix coming okay. into 2021, um, although coming in now into, in, okay. from quarter one and into quarter two and into the recovery plan, we are pivoting directly back into drink now, focusing 100% on the cooler. Um, we're trying to push as much drink later to the back of the store as we physically can uh, to ensure the consumer is shopping from the, uh, from the, from the fridges and back into the drink now um, category. Okay, so so the bounce back plan within your channel for the summer is all around drink now in terms yeah. of the one hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, and it would have been Great. similar from a grocery side. You know, when when the pandemic first hit, we you know we we said very quickly to follow the shopper here, and the shopper went into take home exactly in the grocery channel, as Richard said. But unfortunately, the the impulse lines, the drink now lines, fell off a cliff. So very much as as things start to open up, um, the the impulse occasion within grocery will reopen up as it will within the Horeca channel and uh, food service, etc. And and funnily enough, we saw exactly the same challenges within our alcohol portfolio. So within within Ireland, we obviously had the Beam Centauri portfolio under under our umbrella here. And what happened in that instance is the the entrees, the the famed Irish pubs, um, <laughs> were were shut. And I think the country is still. This is the most sober Ireland has ever been, I would imagine, uh, in, in its history. <laughs> so um, the entree shut, the pub shut. So again, the, the shopper moved into the supermarkets, into the convenience channel, into the into the uh, off licenses, and um, we had to flex our field sales team, we had to flex our promotional spend, we had to flex our brand investment. And when when we talk RGM, um, I know you talk about this, Nulakay. So RGM is is the kind of place where the rubber the rubber hits the road. So 
we had to follow the shopper, follow the consumer and make sure our price pack architecture, our, our promotional frequency, et cetera, were all fit for purpose for the for COVID world. And it, it probably speaks a bit back to your point around agility um, in the previous question, you know. So um, the best plans are ones that we can we can flex. And I think we, we still have a lot to go, a lot to do on that. But in terms of year to go, I think we're well placed to do. We've built a lot of resilience over, over the last... 12 months um, with COVID. So we, we have plans in place there to, to capitalise on them. Okay, great. Um, thanks, guys. Um, I suppose when we talk about RGM, um, we say that uh, RGM is, is not a function, it's a mindset. And I suppose just speaking to the two of you here today, both of you have a commercial team working alongside you who um, are dealing with our customers um, and our you know, um, consumer centric, customer centric, etc. Um, one of the the plans within the RGM model this year would be a capability program, um, so that I suppose the um the less intervention from an RGM perspective we have to do, uh, the better it will be for the business. So if I can explain that a little bit better you know, um, Richard, that your CBMs manage an account, um, you know, understand the P&L um, right, right through and their obsession with the top line is flowing through right through the bottom line. Um, obviously, it's a new way of working um, and, you know, it's a, it's a journey um, that we will take, you know, the business on. Um, is there anything, I suppose, that you guys need as part of that capability program, both uh, for yourselves and both for your teams going forward. You're you're mm-hmm. talking about more coffee, is it? Um, and and another, a proper lunch for the teams for this trade. <laughs> <laughs> I think for... I promise I'll buy his lunch, guys. I, I definitely will buy his lunch. I'll, I'll stretch it to dinner now. I'll right, because you, you you told us beforehand this is a one off, <laughs> but apparently it's going to be a series. <laughs> Great, looking forward to it. Um, well, it depends on feedback, you know. I mean, we could we could be getting hits here, and you know, getting up to tops of charts on the podcasts, etc. Are you going to insta it? <laughs> I haven't decided yet, Jason. I, I'll, but um, I'll right. let you know. Um, from from an interesting from a capability point from from my side, I think that there's an element of um of demystifying RGM for the teams. So. Uh, when we think of RGM, we tend to think of it as, well, you know, it's it's the finance side of of our role, of our commercial role. Are we getting the right uh, return on investment for our promotions? Are we getting the, do we have the right frequency? Are we driving our NSV pretty the right way? Our price park architecture, all of that feels like it's, there's, there's a lot of numbers about it. And we're trying to eke out as much revenue from those initiatives as we can so that we can, reinvest them back into the brands because we're all about growing brands, right? So, but I think there's a, there's a bit before that, um, which is the consumer element. And I think as long as the teams recognize that the consumer needs to be at the heart of all these decisions that we're making because it, they're not going to work otherwise. And the, the, when, when the teams go through the RGM initiatives, I think it, it's a really effective way for them to challenge how robust those initiatives are, are by taking a consumer-centric view of it. So I think when we go to train teams and give them, give them an upskilling around the RGM capability, for me, it's as much about bringing in that consumer lens as it is about 
you know, upskilling teams and the nuances of promotional promotional spend, if you like. And and the other piece that that strikes me on it is that one of the things we, in Ireland we've been on this journey probably for quite a while. And we came over from GlaxoSmithKline. We were we were a volume driven business, and we kind of moved then to an invoice sales driven business, invoice sales metrics, and then we moved to a net sales metrics, and we're NSV per leader, and we're slowly evolving into into gross profit. So we're on we're on that journey, which is great. But one of the traps I've seen myself fall into and te- my team is that when we look at every initiative with an RGM lens, which is the right thing to do, sometimes initiatives on their own may not make sense. But but for me it's the for us it should be the sum of the parts. So our investment models are all around more for more and we might need to give a little bit over here in order to get a lot more over there. So I think one of the pieces about upskilling our teams is allowing them to understand how the RGM initiative works on its own merit, but also taking a lens as to how it works as a part of the whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. I suppose one of the things we say in RGM is it's a combination of science and art. So. You know, sometimes computer might say no on something in a PL, but you know, it could be for better reasons, you know, to allow one pack in um to, exactly. to get something yeah. else um out of it. So um yeah. And and Richard, from your perspective, just in terms of your team and I suppose their approach to RGM or, or the, the help that they might need in terms of the RGM journey. I don't think there's much more I can add to, to Jason's um contribution it was uh, pretty uh pretty robust he, he seems to be uh, fully on indoctrinated yeah. in, in the rgm um way way of thinking and i think from from my team's point of view if, if, if it can be serious is the um it's it's not so much giving them additional training we're all commercial beings because we're all in sales and we all we all understand you know the role that profit plays within our business um but i suppose it's it's more of a introducing a lot more collaboration um, at every touch point and at every point where we need to to make decisions about promotions, uh, evaluations, um, RGM plays, whatever we're doing. We need to be surrounded by the right people to make sure that we are collaborating both yeah. from an RGM to sales and a sales to RGM um, point of view. Um, and if I could if I could knock your socks off here with a bit of a quote, uh, Nula Kiev. Um, oh, there right, was a, right. so you're a, gonna blow me a Brazilian CEO here. from Semco um, called Ricardo Samir, and he has said, um, growth and profit are the product of how people work together. And I think that pretty much sums up um, the collaboration element of it. Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you know much. what? It's. Uh, I'd steal that one with pride now, only this podcast is being aired, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it's so true because when uh, from a, the sales team quite often feel like, you know, everything ends up from a customer, every, everything we want to do strategically within the business, it ends up getting funneled through the CBM at some stage to talk to, to talk to a buyer or to talk to a customer in the field. And when we talk to our sales team, you know, the, the category team have come to us over the last 12 months with these like, amazing category growth drivers and they're brilliant. So we've got a category growth driver lens. And then the marketing team have come and they're talking about the Byron Sharp, you know, the physical and mental availability, which again, is a brilliant lens to look through. And then we've got the RGM lens. So there's a, there's a piece that for me is how do we 
make sure that all three parts are talking to each other and we're not we're not confusing people how do we make it as as simple and, and go for go for the big bets and yeah I agree with you. And, and you know, this came up at an RGM community meeting this morning and perhaps, you know, each market is different in terms of the way we integrate RGM and, and how um, each market um, works through it and understands it and the capability program, etc. So um, it's interesting that that you say that. Um, guys, in the interest of time, um, I suppose just we've touched there on, on price and promo and mix. The final lever, and Jason, you mentioned it earlier, you, you said uh, investing more for more. So the final lever, um, very briefly, um, I want to touch on, I suppose, is trade investment. Um, and you guys obviously annually would be dealing with your customers in terms of um LTAs and JBPs, um, etc. So, uh, I suppose one of the objectives um, within um, my role would be to decide where and how to invest conditionally with our customers um, in order to deliver our brand and our commercial strategies. Um, where do you see the the development along the trade investment journey, or where do you see, um, I suppose, any opportunities? Richard, you probably give more than I give. So do you want to? There's a real for that we dig there. So <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have a quote. But Jason, I I, um, I, I got another one here. Um, I, 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 I can't use it though. <laughs> Will this be on post the water? Um, as you know, I, I I might give more than you, uh, Jason, but um, I I only give more for more. Um, as as the touché, mantra is touché. within SPF Um. I mean, historically, again, I, you know, t- 22 years working for, for Lucas Aid and Rabina, that you, you, ha- you have the, the benefit of uh, looking back in history. And, you know, you, you can always look back and you can see that percentages were always historically given on LTAs um, way, way back in, in, in the day. And we have moved a, a huge amount away from that. Uh, and now any any additional investment is going into JBP, which is conditional, and is more for more, which is one hundred percent the right thing to do. Um, conditional JBP is is by far the only way that we can we can move this forward. Um, from an RGM point of view, um, I suppose the support that RGM can give us in that and and uh, in, in the advice and on how we can go about doing that is 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 very important. Um, but there's one thing that would just just, just remind you that it, it's all well and good giving the advice from a spreadsheet, but whenever you're toe to toe with a customer, um, it can be a little bit more of a of, of a of, of a difficult conversation. Um, but from my point of view, from a business from a business lens, I think we as a business could could get a lot better at this um, if we were to agree uh, agree our 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 LTAs and our JBPs and our investment profile well before the start of the year so we can have our JBP signed off if possible before the year starts um you know if, if, if you're going into a customer signing off a JBP in March you've already lost at least one quarter but possibly quarter two from an activation point of view so you're already in the back foot so I think we need to be more timely as a business and, and get ourselves up and running quicker and better and get these agreed ASAP yeah I agree with you I think we need to take them in like oh we're already 
you know, kicking off 2022 planning. So they should become part of the 2022 planning in terms of, you know, where we're going to invest, shine a light on the compliance piece, the JBP piece um, um, and the journey, I suppose, that we'll yeah. do as a business to to get um the, the best bang for our book, I suppose, um, with, with our customers um, driving the right strategy and the right packs um, with them. Um, Jason, have you got any final words to No, look, I think, I think Richard summed it up. I mean, and uh, you mentioned uh, RGM is where art meets science and JBP negotiations and all those kind of stuff when you're sitting in front of customers and buying teams. It's absolutely a mix of, of art and science, you know. Um, but for me, the, the clearer our business strategy is, then the more focused our JVP investment can be to deliver on those strategies. So we're clear, really clear about what we want to do. If what we want to do is a win for us, our customer and the consumer, then we, we can be confident when we invest in that, we'll get growth in return for it. And then we can reinvest that, that, that investment. We can reinvest that return into the brand. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a key lever for yeah. us. And, um, for me, it's it, the more prioritised we are, the better prioritised we are, the more we can invest widely. Great, guys. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to uh, cut it there. Um, I know you probably want to stay on talking um, hours about RGM, but um, thank you very much for your time today. I, I do really appreciate it. Um, and thank you for um, you guys listening to the podcast today. If you do have any feedback um, for myself, Richard or Jason, please let us know and we hope that you can join us soon for another podcast. Thanks, okay. Thanks, Thank you. Richard. Thanks, lads. Bye bye.